emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend and Verisage Institute colleague, Ed Kless. And on today on today's show, folks, we are doing why trade deficits don't matter. Welcome, Ed. Click. That's the sound of everybody turning off their devices already. No, like, don't do it, folks. This is going to be fun because we'll give a little bit of history on this, but we'll also uh, bring in some current things as well with with Trump because obviously this is a this is an issue where you know you could say that uh, a lot of people on the right, be they libertarian or conservative, um, disagree with Trump, and some yes. people unfortunately have switched. Yes, after professing a lifelong. Uh, <laughs> attachment to free trade now that trump is doing what he's doing and we're going to talk about what he's doing um you know they've kind of gone along with it because well he's doing it and it's he's doing he, actually it, it is it is it's kind of like giving up your principles which i'm not about to do especially on this topic um but but you know ed i, I just as oliver wendell holmes wrote we need to think things instead of words and when it comes to this topic i think that's really good advice because there, there are so many misleading and emotionally charged words to describe and confuse things i mean i just listened to an npr podcast yesterday that was talking about you know the the, the trade deficit and how you know what does china do with all these dollars well they buy our bonds and blah 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 and it got into this whole convoluted, just warp thing. And it just, it, it's so far removed from what trade actually is. We're just right. expanding the goods and services, the money that goes back and forth, how it's financed, what do they do with their dollars, blah, blah, blah. That's all, that's all a consequence uh, or, and, 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 and more just accounting than than the economic reality of we're expanding the number of goods and services available throughout the world right with free trade and that and you know wealth is not money as we know wealth as george gilder says is knowledge but it, it's 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 represented by goods and services <laughs> that's why somebody with a hundred thousand dollars today is probably richer than, you know, the, the richest man in the world 400 years ago or 300 years ago, maybe even 200 years ago, when there mm -hmm. wasn't as many goods and services in the world. Right. You, you, you couldn't get, couldn't get penicillin, you couldn't get drugs, you couldn't, you know, so we've got to, got to consider that. And, you know, goods and services come from people and people live throughout the world. So really the whole world economy is the only e closed economy. <laughs> right. Right, and I think you're right about the whole words thing. It's starting with the word deficit, ah, right? And, completely and meaningless. That's that's the that's the charged word in this. Is like, oh, deficit, therefore bad, because 
you know, the logic is exports good. That's the plus side. That's the that's the that using a baseball metaphor. That's our runs. That's how many runs we scored, right? And then the imports, of course, that's the bad stuff, and that's the that's the that's the the, the runs scored by the 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 opposing team, and therefore is a deficit. So we're behind the tally board. We're behind. And we've got we've got to figure out a way to make it a level playing field, Ron. Got to be a level playing field. Not a useful term at all. And 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 I would even put another term behind that that is just as bad as creditor nation or debtor nation. Mm-hmm. Those are almost meaningless as well. Um, but you know, Henry Hazlitt, who is the author of Economics in One Lesson, a great book, said the same yes. people who can be clear headed and sensible when the subject is one of domestic trade, can be incredibly emotional and muddle-headed when it becomes one of foreign trade. I mean, nobody gives a crap that California runs a deficit with, I don't know, Washington, because we buy so many Boeings, you right. know, or or, right. or the, you know, that Florida, or we run a deficit with Florida because we buy so many oranges or whatever. We don't care about this state by state. Why should we care about it with India or China or European Union or Canada or anybody else? Well, I think because the perception is that it's that 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 then shifts to the fairness conversation. Well, because California or Florida doesn't put a tariff on on California stuff. So therefore, California doesn't put a tariff on that. So therefore, it's better somehow. Right. So we don't care about the deficit anymore. Right. And and. But what's the reason for California not slapping tariffs? Because I'm sure if it was up to politicians, they'd probably do it or, or consider it. Well, that's part of the genius. One of the geniuses of the Constitution is to create a 50 state. I know not at the time, but to create a free right. trade zone. Yep. <laughs> right. I mean, yep. that, and and it doesn't take many words to do that. You know, they'll show be no. free trade. <laughs> <laughs> right. It can be done well, on one you, page. It can be done on one page. And and you know, it's 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 interesting because that was one of the deficiencies of the Articles of Confederation, right? Because the states were starting to erect tariffs between one another. And that was one of the reasons why they came together to 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 uh, well at least initially to to make some corrections and then the new constitution. But I think what's interesting this is just to, to relate this quickly back to something that's in the news right now. And we've talked about this on Free Rider Friday, but in a way, the the Wayfair v South Dakota is in a way a reinstatement of those tariffs if you think about it, right? Because yeah. if now what we have to do is I have we have to charge the 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 sales tax on in the state that we're selling into, even though we don't have a presence in that state. Well, if there's one thing that politicians are going to lo- want to love to do, and that is is to raise taxes on people who don't vote on them. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it, it, that's which is bizarre because that that's was one of the biggest things to me is that in a way the the Wayfair decision un, undoes the, the 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 notion of a regulated economy meaning meaning to have made regular right, right. yep yep that's no, great and it's why people places like Las uh, Las Vegas and San Francisco lo- love hotel taxes right we'll just nail oh, sure. nail the tourists um the other thing, Ed, that, that plays into this issue that, that is big picture, I think, but still super important, is the whole zero-sum attitude. I oh, can yeah. remember, you know, I 
teach an everyday economics course for various state societies, CPAs, and even other professionals. I've taught this. And, you know, we do a thought experiment and I ask the group, and these are, I mean, these are learned professionals, right? Lawyers, CPAs, other professionals and say, you know, do you think that if China and India become wealthier, that that somehow threatens us? And the mm-hmm. consensus is yes. I know. And I'm like, and I'm like, really? You, I, how does wealth creation threaten anyone? Yeah, no, it's it, it is it, it in a way the entirety of it is just a derivation of zero sum thinking. It is, and and you know, Adam Smith in the Wealth of Nations uh, says each, and this is a great line: each nation has been made to look with an individual eye upon the prosperity of all nations with which it trades and to consider their gain as its own loss. So there's, there's the zero sum, right? He says Mm -hmm. commerce, which ought naturally to be among nations as among individuals, a bond of union and friendship has become the most fertile source of discord and animosity. Yeah. And you know, he was debunking mercantilism, right? The whole idea that, exports are good imports are bad and we're going to hoard gold and all be rich and all of these other economic myths that mercantilists held um which he debunked but i i I love that because that's the closest you get to adam smith actually writing zero-sum mentality (laughs) yeah yeah and of course we did a show on bastiat too and he he did a great job at debunking this with his whole notion of you know by the logic of exports exports good imports uh bad then it's it or it's, it would be best if ships just sank at sea. We should right? sink and the was, ships at sea. <laughs> <laughs> you know. It's one of my favorite Bostiat lines. <laughs> yeah, it's just phenomenal because the price we pay for imports is exports. If we can get more imports for less exports, we're actually doing better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, you know, Russ Roberts wrote about this, too, in a book called The Choice, A Fable of Free Trade and Protectionism. Are we we ready to go public with that yet? Uh, Yeah, sure. Go ahead. We can? Okay, cool. Folks, we have Russ Roberts coming on the soul of Enterprise, the host of uh, probably my single favorite podcast, uh, which is Econ Talk, and Russ Roberts, who I've always admired, and I think he's written like four books, Ed. I'm trying to find them out of my library. I've, I've hunted down two of them. Um, but one of them is called The Choice, A Fable of Free Trade and Protectionism. And he kind of brings Ricardo back to life, David Ricardo, who, who uh, came up with the law of comparative advantage. But mm-hmm. in that book, he says, shouldn't Florida help out Minnesota by importing just as many oranges from Minnesota as Minnesota imports from Florida? <laughs> Trade flow should be unequal. Right. If you pick any one state in the United States and look at its trade position with respect to other states, you'd see a lot of deficits and surpluses. And it's just Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. It just we you know, it doesn't matter. Um, So, yeah, it's it's really, uh, really interesting. Uh, The other thing, you know, we've said this a million times, but countries do not trade. People do. Thank God. By and large. Now, that's and, and here's. Here's where I will cut Trump some slack. Governments do buy things from other governments. So there is some, there right. is some government yeah. and, and it's, I mean, it's billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
but but by and large it, it's you know just individual you know your neighbor <laughs> uh your your mom your dad making individual decisions about what to buy and i don't think it's any more my neighbor's business that i buy you know a foreign car than you know i got green shag carpet <laughs> i mean um it's kind of none of his business and it's none nope. of, certainly none of the government's business no, no, absolutely not. And, and yeah, I think that there's, and you're right. There's a, there is governments purchasing from governments. You know, those those machines of war are pretty expensive too. So the bill goes up pretty quickly on that stuff. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, and thank God there's no you know czar of TVs in Washington who's sitting there waiting to place the order to China every year, because what a disaster that would be. Right. Oh, good. Right? Oh. I can't even imagine. And, you know, back to this words versus things. I mean, this, and, and like you said about the, the word, you know, deficit and surplus. Sound, one sounds bad, one sounds good. These are, these are accounting conventions. And just like debits and credits, you know, this gets us into more trouble because debits and credits don't explain economic reality. No. <laughs> right? They don't, they don't account for the, the customer side profit and all of that. And it's just... Uh, the, the whole the whole notion of we're running a deficit and and even the way it's measured, which is highly problematic, I think, and we can talk about this. But you know, Adam Smith again wrote about this very issue. He said nothing can be more absurd than this whole doctrine of the balance of trade. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, this has been this has been known for a long, long time. Well, that's a great setup, Ron. So we're going to get into some of the particulars of it when we get back from our break. But we want to remind you that you can contact Ron or me by sending an email to ask. T-S-O-E at Verisage.com. Of course, the great website, thesoulofenterprise.com, where you get show notes and previews to upcoming shows. And we'll continue to push our Patreon site. If those of you who do not want to listen via commercial, let's do the commercials. And probably more importantly, get bonus episodes. The one that will be airing after this episode that we do today will be on a Rory Sutherland talk that he did. So want to get a hold of those bonus episodes, you got to join us at Patreon. Best way to get there is just go to patreon.com slash T-S-O-E. But right now, a word from our sponsor and the folks who do our great social media leading results. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is your website just a brochure or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are leading results. We build websites and marketing programs that impact your bottom line. Using HubSpot or WordPress, we'll create a website and supporting marketing program that gets your business found, converts web visitors to leads, and provides clear tracking on what is and is not working. Learn about our team and approach to your success. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have, but have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. 
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. We are on The Soul of Enterprise talking about why trade deficits don't matter. And one of the best illustrations of this, Ron, is just to think about it this way. You know, I... I, I have a heck of a def, de- deficit with Amazon. I mean, yeah. it's it's bad. It's a, <laughs> me too. It's, it's you know because in fact it's pretty much zero coming back. You know, I mean, I, it's it, it's it, not good at all. The good now the good news is is that with Sage I got a huge surplus. So that's that's yeah. You're not buying a lot side. of Sage software. <laughs> no, I'm not. I you know no I don't 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 believe that I have ever purchased one of our products because I don't need to. <laughs> so I guess that means your your relationship with Amazon is unhealthy and your relationship with Sage is really good. Okay, <laughs> right. I mean, just to just, even say that is, is just right. It's just it's, it's, it's just, just stupid. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I run a deficit with my barber, you know. I, <laughs> yeah, well, and good because that means you're the bar. You, you, you know, you've never cut the barber's hair because that would be bad, right? <laughs> well, that's yeah. the thing. We're talking about this idea of accounting conventions, right? And how accounting conventions, like a, a trade deficit or surplus, makes it sound like we owe something to somebody. You know, we don't. And this is where you get into the whole, the whole money illusion thing. Well, but they have dollars and now we've got to pay and they buy our debt with those dollars. Well, that look, that's a function of government spending and other things, right? It's, it, mm-hmm. At the fundamental level, we're talking about goods and services here. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, that's the other thing about this trade deficit. It's only tracking things that can move, that can be moved, uh, the, the, the current account. Um, right. You know, because it doesn't count services, but it also doesn't count things like the Rockefeller Center or mm-hmm. Pebble Beach Golf Course. And Japan bought both of those things, I believe, in the nineties. I forget exactly when. Maybe well, not Japan. And see, there's another thing: not Japan. It, uh, right? Well, yeah, investors in Japan. It, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. Ex- ex- yeah, exactly. Thank you. That's a good correction. Um, but, you know, the point is they bought these things. It didn't work out. I think they ended up selling them. Um, but, you know, we if we're running an account deficit, then that means that they're they're investing in into our country. And, and, and I'm going to talk more about this, but just go, going back to this idea that a deficit or a surplus is in no way indicative of the health or the problems of an economy. Let me give let me lay some facts on us, on our readers, our listeners. The U.S. ran a surplus, a trade surplus, all throughout the Great Depression of the 1930s with both imports and exports that were lower than the 1920s level. And, and I remember talking to Don Boudreau about this. Yep. And he said he had looked at the statistics because he's a trade expert. And he said not only was it a, a surplus every year in the 30s, he looked at it month by month. 
and you said it was almost a, a surplus every single month in the 1930s. The last time the U.S. ran a surplus, Ed, was 1975. I don't remember 1975 being a great economic time. I, I seem to no, it it pretty much sucked. <laughs> Stagnant, yeah, yeah. gas lines, yeah. all that other stuff. Britain ran a trade deficit from Waterloo to the Great War, <laughs> a century marking the apogee of its power, where it grew incredibly wealthy. Nigeria has had years of surpluses and remains one of the poorest countries in the world. The U.S. factories output doubled since 1990, much higher than the heyday of the 50s and 60s. The difference is it employs many fewer people. And that, and not trade deficits, is why manufacturing as a relative share of employment has declined. And that has happened because of technology. Mm-hmm. And automa- automation, same reason why it doesn't take us as many people to plow a field because we have tractors or move the earth because we have, you know, caterpillars and other things. Um, the U.S. was officially a debtor nation, uh, which means we ran surplus for generations. <laughs> and during World War One, we flipped and became a creditor nation where we ran deficits. Since then, we've been both. Accounting details are not determinants of American prosperity or problems. So nope. these these things aren't indications of of anything. Right, right. I, I think we, we asked somebody this, and it might have been Don. Why do we even measure this stuff? Oh, well, again, he he just destroyed it. He he was like that. He I believe he said this was the, it's the it's the worst thing that the concept that's ever come out of economics. Yeah, yeah, he was against even measuring it, and I, yeah. I kind of, too, because it's just, it's so misreported and so misunderstood, um, but, it, it, you know. <laughs> well, he's he, he's still on fire about it, too, because he, he posted the, the, uh, one ye- a post yesterday on, on Cafe Hayek, and the, the title of this is really interesting, because it, it brought together two subjects that are currently before us from a, a, a news standpoint, and that is, the tariffs and the deficit, but then also the the the, the coming hurricane, right? Because the, I guess a, a a reader had had called him to task on, well, how come you support higher prices when it comes to natural disasters, yet you don't oppose them when it comes to when when it or and you do do oppose them when it's caused by tariffs, right? And and he said, well, because basically tariffs are man-made disasters, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Because the, the higher prices aren't being driven by value, the, right? The, the higher, higher, right? Exactly. So, jeez. So, let, another thing I want to talk about. Let's 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 bring. Case okay, so we've kind of kind of took a historical tour of this, seeing what Adam Smith mm-hmm. said and others. Let's kind of look at this overall. Let's just take the European Union, the United States of America. The average tariff rate in the U.S. of A. on foreign goods, now this is an average, is 1.7%. In the EU, it's 2%. These tariffs have been coming down for a long, long time, especially post-World War II, right? We've had the various tariff and trade, you know, compacts and all of that. 
and and we really have dropped tariffs. I mean, that's pretty darn low. That's not zero, but it's pretty low. Now, saying that, there is great variance within those averages. You know, sure. automobiles being a great example. Um, Germany imposes a 10% tariff on automobiles. We impose a 2.5% tariff on automobiles. One half of Europe's car exports go to the United States. 600,000 German cars alone are exported to the United States. We, the United States, impose a tariff on light trucks of 25%. Now, Ed, I don't know what the definition of a light truck is. It may be below four, 6,000 pounds. I'm not sure. But do you know who started that? Henry Ford, <laughs> <laughs> President Johnson, in oh, 1964. Gosh. This is known as the Chicken Tariff. That was in specific retaliation uh, against France and Germany for imposing tariffs on American chickens. So, you know, heaven knows how you go from ch taxing chickens <laughs> to retaliating with trucks. Mm -hmm. But that's what happened. China cut China just cut their tariffs on automobiles on July 1st from 25% to 15%. Now that was in that was in response to Trump, you mm -hmm. know, calling them out. So that was a good move, but they could raise it back up to 40% on Americans uh, to retaliate against Trump. That's kind of the thinking. Um, now these car companies can get around this by building factories in the U.S like BMW and Daimler have done. Um, for example, uh, uh, the U.S., in the U.S., um, the, you know who the number one exporter of cars is in the U.S.? It's BMW. <laughs> Which makes, uh, you know, in Spartanburg, South Carolina, you know, the SUVs, uh, they import over a hundred thousand BMWs to China every year. Oh wow, that's a substantial number. <laughs> um, and and you know also the um, China cut uh, ninety percent of its tariffs from thirty two point two percent down to three and a half percent since the nineteen nineties. So I mean tariffs are mo have been moving in the right direction these these weird cases aside you can always you know point out things like the light truck or t timber if I, I remember one example reading that just blew my mind was um golf carts and mm -hmm. and they mostly came from poland uh, don't ask me why <laughs> i guess the right. polish are really good at building golf carts but the the tariff on them was insane it was like 40 percent yeah Oh, um, no. And, and, you know, but here's here's the thing as I and I found this in the research here. This is this is from our friend Mark Skousen, who we had on a couple of weeks ago. He, he wrote a wrote a post and this is back in 2016. And so before Donald Trump was elected, he's he's quoting him, you know, NAFTA is the worst trade agreement we've ever made in our history. The worst. OK, so you would think that there would be some kind of evidence like as what would you define as the worst, Ron? So what would you say the worst would mean if yeah. you're Donald Trump and you're saying the worst? It's the worst trade deal. You, I mean, I would say, oh, that must mean that the exports to Mexico must be going down, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If he says that's the worst, well, in his mind, yeah. 
in his mind. Well, I got news for you. In the 20 years that NAFTA was in effect, the dollar value increased, right, from, you know, f- roughly, I think it's five, f- $50 billion, all the way on up to $250 billion, right? And the percentage of exports, this is exports to Mexico, went from roughly 8% to close to 16%. So they almost doubled. Right. I, you know, it, but it's a terrible deal. It was a terrible deal. It was the we, worst. We are in the halcyon days of manufacturing in the United States of America. And it, we got to stop looking at it from how many jobs it, it, you can't measure a sector by the amount of people it employs. You measure a sector by its output. Right. And from that metric, we've never been better. And yet, you know, all we can think about is bringing back these jobs. And, and that's the wrong way to look at this. I, and I'm not, I'm not against bringing back jobs. If it makes sense to bring back jobs, and it might with deregulation, tax policy, and other things, that's a whole other issue. Yeah, from, exactly. From trade. Yep, yep. yep. But so. they're, they're inseparable. All right. Well, again, Ron, uh, down to the bottom of the hour. We're going to take our break here. want to remind you, thesoulofenterprise.com is the website. Please do take a look at the Patreon site, patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash T-S-O-E for our commercial-free show as well as bonus episodes that are available. But right now, a word from our sponsor. of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Clouds come in all shapes and sizes, and the Abacus Private Cloud is the perfect fit. Abacus Cloud enables all the desktop apps you know and love while providing unparalleled security to your business. Cloud functionality gives you the flexibility to work where you want, when you want, and from any device you want. Don't waste countless hours managing IT. Take back your time. Learn more at abacusnext.com. Wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash US forward slash SOE. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. 
All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're talking about why trade deficits of all things don't matter. And and add another really interesting angle to this whole topic is when you really get into the the mechanics of the trade deficit or and or surplus, you, you you figure out that it's not really mainly being driven by consumer behavior. And I know that sounds a little bit counterintuitive, but there's a lot of other factors that go into this, for example, macroeconomic factors, just how well a nation's economy is doing, whether or not they're in a recession or tax policies, things like that. One of the interesting things is because of Trump's tax policy, his tax bill, he's made this country very attractive to investors, which could very well increase our deficit. Historically, it has. Um, savings rates uh, dramatically affect these um, you know deficits and surpluses the strength of a currency has a major impact on this and there's so there's just a lot of other factors that go into this other than just you know individuals even just buying tv sets and cars and things like that uh and again you know the largest u.s exporter is bmw and spartanburg i mean you know and they employ nine thousand people but even think about supply chains I mean, we've talked about this before, but Apple, whose iPhone is assembled in China, when that thing goes back into the United States, into a Verizon store or an Apple store, it's counted at full price as part of China's exports. Now, that's just insane because they added like $7 worth of value to it. Right. They just happened to assemble it. Yep. Yep. So it, it there's there's a lot of other issues going on, um, you know, other than just the the mechanics of consumer behavior. Well, yeah, and it, the, a lot meaning that that is that is affecting what the deficit is. But what I want to just talk a little bit about is how mostly these these tariffs, especially those that are, that we impose here in the United States, are really capricious and arbitrary, and and done for very specific political reasons. Oh, for right. sure. You know, you 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 mentioned that it's one and a half percent. Okay, well that's fine. But and I think I talked about this on a Free Rider Friday. I don't know eons ago. Uh, by the way, we've been doing doing Free Rider Fridays for about three years, Ron. Three years. Wow. So wow. yep. So so I think this this is just as old old as that. So if you if you remember this story, hey, kudos to you. But there's a there's a stupid thing that you can get as part of an infomercial called a a snuggie, right? <laughs> It, I mean, it's the stupidest looking thing. It's 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 a it's a it's a piece of that you know really cheap n- nylon soft material, right? Right. That is that is ha- it has the corners flipped down and sewn, right? So that you can you th- put it on you like the the blanket instead of just low it lay, you know the, having the blanket over you. This this gives you like sleeves to put your arms through, <laughs> and then <laughs> right right so that you're sitting on the guy. It's just I mean. I don't know. I just kind of do that naturally with a blanket, but whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and but this th- this particular garment, well, this particular thing, I shouldn't say garment, was uh, the subject of of some some problems with with uh, tariff policy because the the exporter in, in China now want, wanted to classify it as a blanket because blankets are only subject to an about an eight percent. To duty when they they are brought into the United States. On its box, it says a blanket with sleeves, mm-hmm. right? A blanket with sleeves, right? 
this uh, but but the 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 U.S. customs officials said no 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 since you wear this it's a garment and therefore now it needs to the tariff rate was for fourteen point nine or fifteen percent so for roughly from eight to fifteen percent it's going to be a, an additional uh, tariff is going to be put on that because of how the U.S. wants to class, classify it. Right. Yeah. The, the the good news in here is that the the trade court, which I'm amazed that this happened, actually agreed with Snuggy that it was a large piece of fabric providing a warm covering. Therefore, it was a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> you make me think of two things, Ed. The um, first off, uh, there was a Big Bang episode where Penny gets her boyfriend one of these Snuggy things. And and he gives it. She gives it to him, and he looks at it. He says, because he's trying to figure out if they're getting back together. He goes, "Well, what does this mean?" And she goes, "That you shouldn't mix alcohol, late night TV, and credit cards." (laughs) 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 Uh, But the other thing it makes me think of is you remember California instituted this snack tax. And, right. oh, you should have seen all the distinctions. You know, if I buy a blueberry muffin in a Starbucks, it's not a snack. But if I buy it out of a vending machine because it's wrapped, it is. I mean, it got down to that level of absurdity with, mm-hmm. you know, what was going to be subject to the snack tax. And it just, it, it, I know, it's so crazy. And you know what? When you dive into the farm products, you know, mm-hmm. strawberries and all that, it just gets absurd. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's big dollars to these producers, whether or not they're going to be in one category or another. And, you know, I've come to believe in my 50 some odd years on this planet that Congress loves that. They love it. Oh, yeah. They oh, have the power absolutely. to dole this out and control it and get, you know, lobbyists kiss at their feet because of it. That's why I'm really pessimistic that we'll ever see major, major tax haul overhaul. I'm talking like moving to a flat tax or national sales tax or anything because they love this kind of social engineering crap. Right. Yeah. Which just, and it doesn't work though. I mean, it gives them a chance to say, Hey, look what I did. Like the, the, the other one of, one of these that I came up with, it's a similar to the snug snuggy thing is there was a tariff put on, on uh, motorcycle engines to try to protect Harley Davidson where it was it, the engines that were 700 cc and, and larger, right? Right. Uh, guess what became a, a a really huge export of Japan, a 699 cc <laughs> version. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, we humans, man, we're scamps. Um, the other thing I like about this topic is economists. You know, they talk about gains from trade, and we always focus on comparative comparative advantage right we've talked about this in terms even of knowledge workers inside of a firm right i think you you have a you you did a pretty good riff on this on one of the shows and let's talk about comparative advantage because that means basically being able to produce anything more cheaply is not the same as being able to produce everything being able i'm sorry let me repeat that being able to produce anything more cheaply is not the same as being able to produce everything more cheaply we'd have to produce everything more efficiently than say canada by the same percentage for each product category for there to be no gains from trade and that's why we trade right i mean i may be able to type fact faster than my assistant 
but she can't do pricing or accounting or whatever it is I'm doing. So therefore I let her type and I do my thing. Uh, that's comparative advantage, but Ed, there's also absolute advantage. And this is when, you know, we buy things from certain countries because of their geography or their nature or the skills indigenous to their people. I mean, it's why we buy bananas from the Caribbean, right? Um, beer pianos, uh, come from Germany. I mean, the best beers and piano makers come from Germany. Even China's most famous beer, Ching, Ching Sao, I think, uh, was created by Germans. And that, that would be an absolute advantage to a country if they had some type of topography or nature or whatever. And then there's economies of scale. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for example, in automobile production, economists estimate that you need, you know, you need to be able to make two to 400,000 vehicles a year out of a factory. Well, Australia recently shut down their auto plants because they can't do it. Uh, and, and that be, because they just don't have the volume to drive those fixed costs down, even though interestingly enough, per capita car ownership is actually higher in Australia than it is in the United States of America. The difference is we have 12 times more Americans than there are Australians. So, hey, right, right. you know, we even our smallest plants, I'm not sure what the BMW plant in Spartanburg cranks out. I forget because I took a tour, but, I, you know, it's it's probably a million or something cars. Um, may, maybe a little less. I'm not sure, but it's a lot um, where they can't, you know, it's hard for them to do that. Um, so those are the three gains that we get from trade and it's just you know again it just opens up the world why would we not want to buy colombian coffee and french wines and you know different fishes and fruits and vegetables from around the world it would just it, you know the if, if we had to produce everything ourselves autarky as economists call it mm -hmm. that's the road to poverty yeah which uh, it is it makes me a little crazy some of these the, the, the folks who who say you know buy local oh the, the local crowd. This reminds me of the guy who made the toaster. Yeah. You, you know, good luck buying local. Anything right. you buy has got a, a worldwide supply chain. Just the pencil. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Remember the pencil? That That is yep. a worldwide complicated supply chain as you can get. <laughs> and it's a pencil. Yeah, no, the buy the buy local crowd just look I, and like and I've eaten not eat, eaten at them too. Like I, the, these is restaurants that farm to table. Sure, you know, I'm like okay, yeah, because, because yes, the greens are gonna suck here because we're in Texas. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and never, never, never get the, the the you know the the farm to market sushi in Texas. Right? Sushi do not in Texas. do that. I'm just I'm, dude. It's because it's all it's catfish. You don't want to be doing that. You do not want to do that. All right, we're up against our last break. Again, the website, thesoulofenterprise.com. Patreon is where you can subscribe and listen to our episodes commercial-free and get bonus episodes as well. Of course, we do have the book still out, The Soul of Enterprise, if you want to go out to Amazon. And we would also love for you to spend some time out and review our show on iTunes. Please, if you do subscribe on iTunes, at least give us a rating. Just go over and hit those five stars and give us a rating. But we'd love even just a sentence or two. Those are the, the currency, and it really makes us uh, happy. And you'll be uh, semi-famous because we promise to read your review on the air. But right now, a word from our sponsor and my employer, Sage.
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash US forward slash SOE. There is no blueprint for running the perfect firm. No way to know the challenges you'll face. But your journey does not have to be an odyssey. Experience what it is like for every part of your firm to be connected. Experience a practice management tool where everything is just a click away. Experience Office Tools. To learn more, visit officetools.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Milton Friedman, in a great clip, talks about trade deficits in one of his Free to Choose episodes, and I will post a link up, but it was in the Q&A section where somebody was asking him a question about it, and specifically he was talking about the Japanese um, and their steel industry, and at the time there was, just like there is today, this back and forth about, well, you know, China and they're they're dumping steel here in the United States that's cheaper, etc., and what he said was, I think it was so great, he says, well, if Japan wants to subsidize cleaner air in the United States, why should we stop them? <laughs> and it just set everybody back. He's like, well, what do you mean? He said, well, if you think about it, what, what are they doing? They're, giving a, they're, they're wanting to produce steel, which, yeah, okay, so that's putting some of our steel manufacturers out of business. And guess what? Makes our air cleaner. So, Mr. Mr. Environmentalist, you know, stop stop worrying about this. Let, let, let you know, let 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 China do this. Our environment is better. Now you might argue, argue that you know they're doing it in such a rate and it's burning more CO2, but I just thought that was an interesting point. And one other point on this whole China thing, uh, Ron, before I pass it back over to you. Again, our friend Don Boudreau talked about this back in a, a, a post that he did in June because someone was arguing that, you know, hey, look, this trade deficit with China, we are, under, quote, underwriting China's military and infrastructure buildup, right? Mm-hmm. He goes, what are, our, what are our dollars doing? We're, we're building and paying for and underwriting China's military. This is what the, 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 the person asking Boudreau, he said, well, all right, you got this completely backwards, Right. He says a, a U.S. trade deficit, and he, he, of course, calls it a current accounts deficit, means that more investments are flowing into the U.S. than flowing out of the U.S., right? 
He's like, furthermore, China's trade surplus implies that China is running at a capital account deficit, meaning that on net, Chinese invest more outside China than foreigners invest in China. Thus, it's a net outflow. So, you know, I think people just they just are paranoid about China. It's not it's not they even even the reality is obscured by, oh, it must be bad because it's China doing it. Right, right. No, that's true, and that's that's why China is making investments around the world. What is it they're trying to build? You know, their Silk Road or whatever. It's got, there's a there's an acronym for it. I forget. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, um, well, you know, the Economist looks has looked at this too, Ed. And you know, the Economist is, was founded on free trade principles. That's one thing I I, I have a lot of problems with the Economist. <laughs> okay, the magazine, but one thing that they are rock solid on is free trade and they always have been and they have a really good record and so what they tried to do they developed four measures to try and figure out if american firms were really being unfairly treated by china as as trump and others have argued right they don't let us into our their market where they you know now it's true that they do restrict us you know there has to be so much ownership you know from Chinese investors or whatever, the government, um, there's IP, we have to give IP. So there's those issues, but just in general, how do our companies in the U S fare in China? And they came up with four measures. They looked at our company's share of sales inside China and it's, it's, we get 15% on average, uh, of the, uh, you know, of our revenue from China. In the in the from the company you know in the companies that that operate in China, now if it was consistent with China's share of GDP, we that that fifteen percent should be twenty percent, so that's pretty that's pretty darn close. Um, and by the way, those sales to China represent about one percent of our company's global sales. Um, American firms aggregate market share in China is 6%, which is almost double China's market share of their companies that sell inside of America. So we have twice their market share. Um, Do United States firms underperform other multinationals and local firms inside of China? And so they looked at this and they found that America has an overwhelming competitive advantage, overwhelming in tech, Apple, Intel, Qualcomm. In fact, if you look at the top 50, their sales increased at an average compounded rate of 12%. Local firms, 9%. European firms, 5%. And then the last thing they looked at was, are U.S. firms shut out of some sectors? And they said, yes, absolutely. You won't find Google over there. You won't find Facebook. You won't find Netflix. And, and others. Those were just the mm, big examples. Yeah. Um, so overall, yes. Are there things that need to change with some of our agreements with China like surrounding IP, the theft of IP, access to their markets, you know, less restrictive ownership percentages and all that? Absolutely. Can those be done through the WTO or other trade agreements? Absolutely. And Trump's right, I think, to go after those things. But to say that China is completely unfair to our companies and we don't get a break there. It's kind of nonsense. 
Yeah, it's not kind of nonsense. It is nonsense. But let me ask you this, Ron. In because this is perhaps it, put, putting on my 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 political Turing test hat, right? If I'm trying to understand the the best argument on the side of why we should have tariffs to 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 combat the trade deficit specifically, okay? Um, and it, it would be that. Well, if we if if we make these threats, if we temporarily increase the the a particular tariff or something, it it will it will cause them to relinquish re- re- reverse course, right? Yeah. And I and I think I guess to a certain extent we have seen some of that. As you mentioned, t- China's lowered its 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 uh, tariff on on automobiles. Right. They've right? agreed to buy more. Uh, the government's agreed to buy more U.S. goods. Correct. Correct. But. I would think. I mean, maybe I, I don't. Have, and, and again, that's that's the best argument that I can think of. So that's my political Turing test, right? To try to parrot like what sure. I think would be their best argument if I were trying to make it against me. But even that, to me, it's like, well, wouldn't it be better to try to do, work it the other way? And let's do like a race to the other. Like, we don't, we're gonna we're gonna cut our tariff, <laughs> right? Right. We're gonna unilaterally go the other way. Ed, it's the it's the only argument I can come up with for any sympathy for Trump's approach is his approach is completely tactical. He's using these tariffs as a surgical strike, a negotiation tactic, and his ultimate goal. And he has said this is zero percent, zero tariffs worldwide. I mean, Mm -hmm. which would be pure free trade. Um, You know, I don't buy all the fair trade versus free trade. I I, I think that's just ridiculous. But if he is using this as a tactic, and I can't read his mind, um, you know, maybe he'll make progress on this. Maybe, maybe it is a way to get other countries to move, as China has, and as other countries have, European Union, whatnot. But I don't know. I, I'm, I think the jury's still out, and I'm still kind of skeptical about it. Yeah, and and I would say, what at what point does short-term tactical becomes long-term? Right. And when does it become harm? You know, right. Because right. Uh, a thousand economists wrote a letter during the Smoot Harley tariff law and they and they're, you know, they, they said the last line was something like we can't we can't increase employment by restricting imports. You know, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, well, anyway, Ed, what, what what's on store for next week? Uh, next week, we have an, a guest who's coming on. We're going to do an interview with Ryan Lazanis, I'm sorry, and we are going to talk to him about what the work that he's done at his firm on moving to value pricing and eliminating timesheets. Is that correct, Ron? Yeah, that's right. Zen Accounting, I think he, he is the founder of, so I'm really looking forward to that, and I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the soul of enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy. Sponsored by Sage, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific. And in the meantime, check out our full show notes at thesoulofenterprise.com. We'll post uh, show notes on today's episode with additional readings and links. Also, you can contact Ed or myself at asktsoe at verisage.com. Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great weekend.